Welcome to Live Healthy Now with Nicola Mercer, a weekly show helping you get clear on the power of building sustainable, healthy habits to live the happy, strong life you are craving. It's time to stop waiting for happiness and burning yourself out trying to reach it. Each week we'll share insights into the world of health and well-being to help you learn which habits are the right ones for you without the overwhelm and confusion you feel right now. It's time to strip back and lay out the truth about why taking better care of yourself is the answer to the happy life you're striving so hard to create. Hi and welcome to today's episode of Live Healthy Now. I hope you're having a great week so far and I'm really grateful that you've chosen to listen to the podcast today. We've got a great guest with you today. I'm delighted to bring Mike Cole to talk to you today and share with you so many great insights about how he juggles many things whilst running his own business, including working alongside his wife, homeschooling his children, managing his neurodivergent and you know, really balancing his health above anything else. And so we're going to dive really deeply into how Mike supports himself and his family to have a healthy lifestyle. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hello, thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. I'm really looking forward to our chat. I know we've spoke a couple of times and we've really connected on some of the things that we both stand for, especially around supporting our kids and family to live a healthy lifestyle. So yeah, we'll explore that and share with the audience lots more on that. But just to kick off with all of my guests, I like to ask them what their most impactful healthy habit is. This is uh, it's such a good question. Um most impactful feels like I need to prioritize them all so let me just pick a you know a very strong one (laughs) and kind of go from there um for me does this sound like a habit I think it is it's really embracing who I am and and how basically how my brain works so we talked about being neurodivergent and or you mentioned on the in the start and that means that I guess I approach things differently from most people um but it means my brain works in a way that i can use to my advantage or i can suffer so if i try and do things exactly as let's say most people would do that can cause me uh, quite a lot of difficulty um they probably wouldn't know they probably wouldn't see that um but from my side i know that's harder work if i if i adjust something and do it in a different way um i'll, I'll give an example in a second she will help then then suddenly for me that that changes my world and changes my life and so let me give an example um if someone asks me a spur of the moment question i've never considered before it takes me a little bit of time to think about it and process it if somebody asks me a question gives me a small moment of time to think about it which could be literally a minute but if you get, left me half an hour that would be ideal um i will come back with a much better answer the fascinating thing is i don't need to think about it in that 30 minutes i just need to be aware of the question and move on. I move on, I do something totally different. I come back and I'm like, oh, this is my answer to that. Which means, funnily enough, if you answer me that question again at the end, I might come up with something more inspired. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, the funny thing about that is I can build that into my day uh, and actually build it into my day in a way that most people don't even notice. And that's ideal. And Ooh. so a really key thing for me for being healthy, and this is, I guess, mentally healthy, 
um, is recognizing that's how I am. It's just one of a whole bunch of different traits. And if I use that to my advantage, actually, I do sort of better than maybe my peers or than people would expect. Um, if I don't use it to my advantage, I will do worse. That makes sense. So if yeah. I lean into it, it works really well for me. Yeah, I really like that. And I definitely want to explore that as part of our conversation because, you know, there's so many things that do make up our health and so many foundations that we need, you know, like putting the right fuel into our bodies and moving our bodies and things like that. But what is often overlooked by so many are the things that really impact our mental well-being. And lots of those things are the way we treat ourselves which come from understanding ourselves. So I really like that you've shared that because I don't think I've had a guest who's ever given a habit of that kind before. Mm-hmm. And they are ones that are very important. Um, so yeah, let, let's dive right into it then and talk more about the work that you do and you know how that started with yourself and understanding these needs that you have that you need to take care of to one enable you to function in your business and be successful as a business owner but two to feel healthy as an individual yeah absolutely and one of the things i find quite fascinating about about these conversations um and just the dialogue going on at the minute around neurodivergence and neurodiversity well let's not worry about the difference but that we can kind of put them all in one bracket and uh, for now and say and that's totally fine um the idea of how do you function with it is possibly the wrong way of looking at it because it it sounds uh, well maybe i'm being unfair um it's probably not the wrong way of looking at it but it sounds a bit like oh that sounds really difficult oh that must stop you it's often talked about as almost a handicap and i think that's often how it's described it's a learning difficulty that's how it's described. Well, is it a difficulty? What it is, is learning in the typical way that we learn, as in a school format, in the prescribed way that we are expected to learn. Um, yes, okay, it is. it can cause difficulty learning in that environment. Funnily enough, for me, it didn't. Um, the way I was picked up is a, maybe a fascinating story in its own right. Um, for, for others, for others in my family, it absolutely does present that way. Um, so, so it's maybe a, a part of that question is how how do we embrace it to make the most of it without looking at it as some sort of handicap, but rather looking at it as some some people call it a superpower. Maybe I don't like that phrasing either. But the idea of like using the strength within it to make a real difference and and leaning away from the weakness from it. Um. So I I've mentioned to you before we came on the call actually instant questions just off the off the start to sort of shake up a conversation actually unsettles me which is why you gave me a little bit of heads up about that first question because it just works really well for how we flow forwards and that um it's things like that that make all the difference if i'm confident enough to own it so if i'm confident enough to say this is how i am and actually i can bring brilliance as a result so if we can work it in this way i can bring my brilliance is that okay with you and hopefully you then go, yeah, of course, Mike, that's what I want. That's what I want from you today. And um, that's what people listening want. So let's let's work it in that way. And I think, I think yes, that's really relevant for neurodivergent and diver- really relevant in that space, neurodivergent space. But I think that's relevant for everybody because a neurotypical person still thinks, one neurotypical person still thinks differently to another neurotypical person. In fact, some of the 
things, the character traits that make me me and make me really special have nothing, I think, nothing to do with my dyslexia, which is um, what's going on for me. And I think everything just to do with my personality. I use that still. So, and that's just as relevant for, well, it's relevant for everybody. It's, I guess that's my mm. kind of angle for that. Um, the, the, the healthy bit possibly links in the same way. The more confident we are about who we are, the more we accept who we are. And I guess acceptance is, um, it's recognizing that we are this way and it's okay. And then looking for how we can be better. So I'm I'm not suggesting we should accept if we don't like something about ourselves. Um, but fine, have a look at what you can do about it. That's okay. But if the more we accept, actually, this is how I am. This is how my brain works. And there's some real strengths to that. And if I acknowledge, you know, I'm so lucky I have these incredible strengths. I, I, I use them all the time. Um, I love it. They're brilliant. Well, actually, that makes me more resilient. It gives me more confidence. You know, I'm more able to deal with that kind of the maybe other mm. mental challenges that come along going yeah but i'm i'm okay because i'm good in this space i can be rubbish in that space uh, but i'm okay because i'm great in this space so mentally that gives me a huge boost um and and mental health i'm a huge uh, advocate of i think so important um so yeah that's i'd see that playing out really nicely mm, yeah that's so powerful isn't it because Self-acceptance is a huge part of building a healthy lifestyle. It's something I do talk about a lot. The importance of valuing yourself and believing in yourself so that you can accept yourself. And the ripple effect that has onto your confidence, your resilience, your capability and and so on. And yeah, there's so much that's coming through as you were talking there um, that resonates with me and my story as well you know I've got a long corporate background like yourself Um, I really struggled with anxiety and my mental health for all of those years I was in corporate and I felt a lot of shame around it and as you were talking I was thinking yeah there, there was a lot of things in me about me and just how I am as a person that I felt um impacted my confidence and and self-belief things like being a perfectionist and being very detail orientated very process driven there were things you know that like that that would come back in my mid-year and end of year appraisals that that I would take on board in such a negative way and they would impact how I felt which in turn then impacted my health because I was beating myself up and and given a lot of negative self-talk about, oh my God, why are you like that? You know, why are you so detailed? Why are you so, you know, um, much of a perfectionist and and so on? And, and that, that's that been a thread through many, many years of my life. Actually, before I even started work and in my family, I was called out as the perfectionist, you know. And, and so you're right that there's so much there that you can create, take yourself on and hold yourself back on which actually are skills which if you use them and and mentally accept them in in a certain way can be very powerful for who you are um and and so just you know one of the things I was thinking as you were talking there Mike was was there ever a time where how you were did negatively impact you in terms of your performance at work and then your mental health because of, of that um so uh let me just clarify was that how i was working 
Or, yeah, or just, oh, you know, because of the way you are in yourself with the dyslexia and, and you know, as you said, just as, as any individual has different skills, ways of thinking and yeah. operating. Yeah, d- was there a time when it actually did really cause challenges for you? I guess it has caused challenges through my life at various moments. So um, before retraining as a coach or adding coaching to, to my skill set, um, I I am a chartered accountant. I did the chartered accountancy exams. They are very intense. They involve memorizing huge quantities of data in a very short amount of time or information in a short amount of time. And the actual exams are incredibly pernickety, very deliberately. They've set the bar very, very high. Um, That does not play to my strengths at all. (laughs) That is pushing most of the dyslexia buttons. And although they give you extra time in exams, you don't get if I get 25% extra time for, you know, on a, on a paper, they don't give me 25% extra learning time. So mm. actually, great, I've got this extra writing time, but not the learning. Now, I know the counter to that, people say, well, you, you don't get that in life. You don't get 25% longer than anyone else against a deadline. Um, and you don't. But the things that made, made me an excellent finance professional, the things that make me an excellent coach have nothing to do with how well I can consume information and how quickly. Mm. Um they are certainly not from learning from others in, in the way of those sort of exams. I guess that comes back to why they call it a learning difficulty. Because the application that I then bring. So in my in my career, corporate career, so to speak, I spent a lot of time going job to job within a company because there was a fire. And they're like, we need someone to go and put that fire out. Mike, you're up. <laughs> you're in. Go sort it. And I'd walk into a situation that others had tried to fix and failed. And I'd literally just see the answer in front of me. It would just be blatantly obvious to me. Well, you do this. And I just do it. And magically, the fire goes out. In fact, not only does magically the fire go out, but it's almost like it becomes an ice cream factory or something. Like It goes the other way from being hot. And suddenly, it's it's producing everything it needs to. And it's working really, really well. And they're like, that's absolutely incredible. We've got a fire over there. Guess what? <laughs> You know, and and I did really well out of my career as a result. I did lots of really fascinating things. I regularly got to get involved in new projects. I'm pretty convinced, I've not tested this theory, but I'm pretty convinced that if they knew I was dyslexic and some of the challenges I had, they wouldn't have given me all those opportunities. Um, So, for example, one of the things that caused me harm was the number of emails I would get in a day. I think I would get about 110 emails a day roughly yeah now every email i i can't skim read i just want to be really clear dyslexia represents differently in different people so what i'm going to say about my dyslexia is not true for someone else with dyslexia necessarily it might be but it might not be um and within my own family other members are dyslexic and it presents very differently which is kind of fascinating for me uh, and hopefully for others so um, I can't skim read. It means that I have to look at every single word. In fact, I was blown away when my kids were given an exercise and this lady showed a paragraph, put a pencil on a single word and said, look at that word and tell me what is, you know, how much of how much of the paragraph or how much of the sentence can you read? I remember afterwards going, one word, surely. Like, what do you, what do you mean? No, 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 like a human brain a typical human brain that looks at a single word will be able to sense what the words are around it. It's the way the brain processes. Um, some people are better at it than others. So just because you can't do that doesn't necessarily mean you're dyslexic. I don't want to freak anyone out. But it is one of the kind of indicators, one of the signs. 
I'm like, I can just read the word you're pointing your pencil at. I've got almost no idea. I know there's words around, but I don't know what they say. I've got literally mm. no idea. Um, so that's a great illustration that if I get an email and I need to read it, I need to read every word in the email. So that's tiring. I can't mm. skim read. I can make assumptions by... I can skim read articles because I literally read a few words and, and assume I know what the rest of the sentence is going to be. It's not brilliant for learning. It's not excellent either. Um, modern communication is getting simpler and I think that's a real benefit. So I think things are cleaner. They're shorter paragraphs. They're simpler words. That makes it easier for me. But that number of emails was a problem. Um I didn't want to tell anyone I had dyslexia because I thought it might be used against me or I might not get those opportunities, particularly if those opportunities involve massive documents that need reading, which, by the way, I was really good at. I was really good at them because I read every word. I didn't read. I didn't like flick through thinking my brain basically didn't cheat. It had to read every single word and then would go, hmm, well, that doesn't make sense. Or more accurately, you say this, which makes me think you're trying not to say that. They're like, oh, oh no, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we're trying not to say we're about to close a site because that's going to cause panic. Well, this is what it says to me. It doesn't say it. It sounds like you're justifying it in a way that, yeah, anyway. And they're like, okay, that's really helpful insight. So that's all part of using what some would see as a weakness. Actually, there's a strength in there. Mm. So I don't want to discount reading because reading's really powerful. I prefer someone to text me or email me than send me a voice note. Again, it's weird but it doesn't stick in my brain as well on a voice note as it does a text and I can read it quicker, but it's more tiring. So how do I get around this conundrum? Simple, get people to stop emailing me so often. So stop copying me into emails that I don't really need to, they're having a conversation, then I just want to know what the outcome is. I don't care. So tell me you're having the conversation and don't email me again until you've got to a conclusion. And if in the meantime, I need to know where it is, I'll ask you. Um, the other thing I did is I applied a 24-hour filter. This was brilliant. I love this one. So I, so I believe, and, I, and I'm a coach now, and I coach people to set, um, set your work environment in the way you want it to work. So for me, I don't want people to email me, and I definitely don't want people to email me when it's urgent. I want them to email me a piece of information that I can consume at some point. If it's urgent, I'd much prefer, like, more of an urgent like text or something and fundamentally let's have a call let's discuss it let's be really clear of the problem and we'll solve it unless it's the it doesn't work in which case fine i'll jump on and sort it out so uh so i applied a 24-hour filter which is anything that came in that wasn't from someone incredibly senior or it wasn't marked like you know <laughs> urgent in like massive capital letters in like burning platforms solve 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 um i just left for 24 hours and the number of those emails, which actually there'd be four others relating to it. So I'd only have to read the top one and know where it is. And I could delete the other four, uh, other three. Or someone had asked me something and they'd solved their own problem within 24 hours. I didn't even need to do it. And um, I, had, I had this recently as a small business owner. I noticed I was getting bills incorrectly uh, for some IT stuff. And they, they'd billed me. It hadn't applied a discount. It's worth about 20 quid a month. And I was like, oh, I need to get on that. It happened one month, fine, it's only 20 quid, I'll get to it. Happened another month, oh, I really need to do that. All right, I'll get on it. And just before the third, when I thought I really need to sort this out, um, they emailed me and went, oh, we noticed we've incorrectly billed you. So we've refunded it, given you a token for saying sorry. I didn't have to do anything. Mm. There's, there's moments where we can kind of dampen our own noise and reduce the admin and the burden. But for me, that's really, it's driven out of emails, but it can have some other positive effects does that kind of make sense 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, obviously working with lots of other small business owners, do you see that people are being impacted because this kind of this pressure to conform, you know, the email example is a great one where many of us, whether we own a business or not, certainly I know in my corporate job, I was probably racking up 100 plus emails a day as well. You know, but just in, in general in life, how busy everything is. And then when you set up your own business, the type of people you work with, they've got then the extra pressure of running their business and this belief that you've got to conform, you know, you've got to reply quick, you've got to keep on top of trends, you've got to be visible and seen. And, and you know, do you see people coming to you with overwhelm and stress? And then obviously on the back of that, potentially both physical and mental health issues and you know what what are the patterns that you see with with people struggling with those kinds of pressures yeah so there's a there's an awful lot of these shoulds right because mm. um so uh, what do we know is important in customer service getting back to people really quickly so if someone emails you you should get back to them within what half an hour 10 minutes five minutes like the quicker you get back to them it's, it's better isn't it it's more important you should meet people what face to face or on zoom um you should do this do that the other uh, you should be on social media all the time you should show up on instagram lives you should try things some others there's a whole bunch of different things that if you are an extrovert who likes being on camera yeah get yourself on instagram lives because they're great right that that will tick the buttons it will push what motivates you you'll feel lit up and excited and you'll gain followers who like that about you and maybe even want to emulate that if the idea of doing that literally makes you feel sick <laughs> then forcing yourself to do that day in, day out is going to lead to a very negative experience. Um, it's going to impact your, your your mental health. It'll go one of two ways, actually. You'll either realise that you can get over it and it's all OK and it's all right, or it's just going to grate and grate and grate and mm. you're going to get lower and lower and sadder and sadder and, and take that more and more of your energy away. Um, I absolutely see people in this space. I see people coming and working with me who have set their business up because that's what they think they should do. They think this is the way that you have to work. And coaches using Zoom is a great example. So I set my whole business up pre-pandemic. It was about three months old when the pandemic hit. Yay. Um, <laughs> to do everything remotely. I'm, I spent lots of time in the corporate world um, running teams that were spread across four countries, you know, yeah. and, and a whole bunch of different countries at different times. The most was four. The... Um, I'm used to doing things remotely, so I was really game for doing it. And I have a testimonial that I think was from February 2020 saying how this Zoom thing is actually quite useful and actually it does work. Like you might think it'd be better meeting in real, real life, but it actually it's, it's really good. But they'll have said in person because no one said in real life back then. It's amazing how quickly that dated and how Zoom became this absolute standard thing to use. But, um, but if Zoom gives you a headache, then why can't you coach on a phone call? Of course you can. Why don't you coach on Voxer? Of course you can. If you want to use WhatsApp messages, of course, find the way that works for mm-hmm. you and then set out the expectation of this is how we can make it work. And you will find the clients that want to work that way. Because for some other clients, they won't want to be on Zoom. They'll want mm-hmm. to do it as a voice call or doing it going for a walk or meeting in a local cafe. Some will hate that, some will love it. And if you find the thing that works for you, then you've got a really good chance of starting trying to find the people that that will work for and having that life that you actually want, like working in a way that really, mm-hmm. really suits you. Um, 
I had another example in my head and it's just skipped, which is part of my dyslexia and my awful memory, which is why I scribble things down. You've probably noticed me writing <laughs> as we've got little notes and thoughts. It's a good good tool to have, yeah. And um, I think the, the thing with this is to take a step back, to be able to put some of these tools and habits in place to help you to feel more in control and reduce stress and have a positive impact on your health. You have to be aware of those, don't you? And I think, certainly as, as a coach as well, and, and you'll say this, so many people never give that a thought. If you aren't someone who's spent a lot of time on personal development or had coaching, you've probably never given it a thought. And, you know, this shows up in lots of ways, not just in a practical sense of how you operate and organise your work and so on, but when it comes to the food you eat or whether you exercise or, you know, there's all these shoulds, oh, well, I should lose weight and I should get outside for a walk. I should, you know, go to the gym. They're the main ones people fix and I should drink less. I should give up smoke, you know, but people don't pause to go, actually, what do I need? Like what for me works? Because one of the big things, which might be a good example to use, is a lot of people um, will come to me or talk about it in my community and say, I hate exercise. Okay, why do you hate exercise? You know, it's because maybe they've only ever tried going to the gym or they've tried these hit classes. And, and I know a couple of people immediately spring to mind who go, oh, my God, I absolutely detest the thought of being in my living room where I like to relax, jumping around to someone on a big television in front of me, just cannot do it, you know. But it's like, okay, take a step back. Who are you? What works for you? What do you need? And so I think that's a big message to get through to people, isn't it? Whether it's in your work life, in a practical sense, or with any other part of just what's going to make you happy and fulfilled is to get clear about what, works for you what feels good because that's a big piece of the puzzle isn't it that's and it's the missing piece yeah hugely so yeah Mm. um so actually i'll use tennis as an example for me so i I hate running by the way like running is soulless to me my brother absolutely loves running it Mm. is both physical and mental for him uh he's a, a bit of an endurance runner he likes like a 60 mile run is is the idea of a good day for him um, wow. or is that a weekend i'm not quite sure but any yeah anyway he's uh, like you know running for a bus is probably like the, the extreme of what i would do and i typically drive so i don't normally need to do that either um i don't know what it is about running it doesn't appeal i've i've been getting back into tennis and i've realized that i actually really really don't like singles tennis like i Mm-mm. pretty much hate singles tennis it's taken me a while to realize why and it's because singles tennis is me versus you. Like there is going to be a winner and a loser. And it is about my skill and ability compared to your skill and ability. And I don't actually like that. So I've been playing quite a lot of cardio tennis. Um, and cardio tennis at David Lloyd, I'm sure other versions exist. And I think it's like kids tennis. So you hit a ball and you run. Right? Right. You hit a ball and you switch side of the court. You knock it in the net, you've got it all switched, you know, uh, which side of the, the net you are and... There's just all this different stuff you do um, that, and you keep switching partners that you're with. And I found certain ones, particularly the daytime ones, actually, more probably than the evening ones, feel really supportive and encouraging. If you do a good shot, if your opponent does a good shot, you know, we're all clapping and applauding and being like, yeah, that was an awesome shot. You know, well, that was really good. Well done. Uh, but we're all doing it for each other, regardless of, it's not about winning. It's just about us all bringing and enjoying it and bringing 
you know, I guess developing, you know, getting better at what we do. And it highlights to me the importance of community and having the right people around you. The importance that you want people that cheer you along, preferably that get it, because I think one of the things as a small business owner, lots of our friends who aren't small business owners just don't really understand. It looks like we go on a lot of jollies. Um, and this sort of networking stuff. Well, yeah, but you're forever out chatting to somebody, you know? Yeah, but that is, that's how it works. Oh, you get paid a lot per hour. Yeah, but you've got to look at the whole thing. Like, mm. it's not just the delivery. It's everything that goes with it. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot I think they don't understand. So having the right supportive people around you, I think, is really, really important. I think having, doing the right work is really important and having the right environment literally I was just talking about you know Voxer or Zoom or whatever some of it's that but there's so much that goes into these different things uh, can I do a little plug at this point you can yes there are, there are uh, so many different things that go into this that I've made a little quiz to try and oh, everyone help loves a quiz don't they? everyone loves a quiz yeah just 12 questions um three different areas and, and it's to try and help look at almost what what's missing in your life to help you really unlock the special person that you are Ooh. um I love the idea of, you know, the world needs us to be more of who we are. You know, be more you, effectively. And uh, and the quiz is a really nice way of just trying to see, is there something missing? You can get a pat on the back if uh, you don't have anything missing. It's like, woohoo, that's really cool. Um, but if there is anything missing, give some ideas as well about what you could maybe do about it. So mm. um, I know there's some uh, link with the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, well worth going and checking out. Yeah, that sounds like a great thing to do, because as we say, that awareness piece is key because so many people just jump to the the end stage of well I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to get out for a walk I'm going to join um you know a art class or something that they think oh that's the answer to feeling better and quite often they don't get the result that they're looking for and so you know tapping into what you really need you know what are those priorities that are going on for you right now that would make the biggest difference and then ultimately who are you like you say you don't want to be out pounding the pavements but you've found something through that tennis club which is fun it's it's ticking many boxes because you're moving your body you're laughing and we know laughter's a big um plus for feeling well the community side you're right is a huge part it's one of the biggest pieces in how people feel you know there's so much now coming out through science and research about the impact of loneliness and how it reduces our lifespan. So being part of a community in that tennis example is a great thing, you know, because you've found something that then is driving you forward to keep moving your body, whereas if running was the only option, you'd detest it and you'd hate it. And although, yes, you'd be getting some of the physical benefits, you're not going to get very much benefit from it overall for your well-being because it's painful and unenjoyable. So, yeah, I think that that's a real strong message to take away there and the quiz could be a great thing to use as a starting tool and get yeah. clear on on what you might need. Um, yeah, so just think... to kind of... Oh, go on, Mike. Yeah. Oh, no, well, I was going to say community, I think. Um, so the t- tennis is a nice community but it's um almost a sort of sports one i think making sure that you've got the people you need around you to help you um and and help i don't mean uh i don't mean to tell you what to do or to um i was gonna say not not necessarily to hold your hand but it's to feel part of something and say that as small business owners we're often almost on our own i work with my wife so i'm lucky in that way 
But it's good to then feel wrapped into another community that's going to help courage and nurture and take you forwards. Um, I, I mean, I would say this because I run one. So yeah, I, I guess I'm biased, but I actually run one which suits me really well. Like I, I get a huge amount out from myself. And I think that's, yeah, it's really, really helpful. Yeah, the community piece is so important on well-being and what that looks like and and where that shows up is huge as well you know you've got family you've got friends you've got work and obviously we spend a lot of time at work a lot of our life is spent through you know work and something I know when um I used to work at Nike a lot of people were so passionate about the Nike family you know the work family and I just didn't get that and for many years I wasn't bought into that yes I had friends and relationships with people at work but that wasn't really something that I I felt was important that did change and that change um did have a much greater impact on how I felt in myself, especially in the latter years. I really did kind of wrap myself in this ethos of being part of that community and, and group for lots of different support. Um, so I think, yeah, finding a community in di- or, or communities across the different areas of your life is definitely important. And for you, working at home, apart from when you're out on your little network and trips and, and so on, yeah. being home-based as a lot of people are, or even hybrid working, you're in your home with your family every day because you work alongside your wife and you homeschool your kids. So how do you find balance with that as well? Because for a lot of people, when COVID did hit, suddenly being at home full-time was unbearable and, and you know, did cause challenges for some others it was more of a joke type thing that oh god you know 24 7 is too much so you know how how have you as a family navigated that and and balanced that for your health and well-being yeah great great question um and it's changed quite a lot the pandemic affected us too um in part before the pandemic probably half the kids stuff was in person um and we did a lot of trips and i think um Typically through winter, we often end up spending much more time in the house. And then typically through spring, summer and, and into autumn, we, we do a lot of trips, um, particularly back then. The kids were a bit younger. Uh, we've home educated now for six or seven years. I'm losing track. Um, and so, you know, three, four years ago, uh, they, were, they were younger. We could do more learning on the road. Yeah, let's go see something. Let's go somewhere and do some learning as part of it without it feeling forced learning, if you know what I mean. Uh, obviously the pandemic stopped all that we felt trapped probably like everyone else and then as it's opened back up again it's easy to lose those old habits and to miss so the kids learning switched entirely online uh, almost entirely online and it remains almost entirely online right in a way it's great because we can do that from anywhere um we have done it from different places before for example we're in the midlands but we've been over in wales for a week and they've been able to dial in and do key learning while we've been out uh, exploring somewhere so some huge pluses um the downside of course is that we don't walk anywhere we don't have to they don't even have to go walk catch a bus <laughs> walk between classrooms they're literally in their rooms potentially all day and and likewise you know we uh, my wife and i've got an office in the garden and we spend a huge amount of time in here um we love what we do but we can spend quite a lot of time in here one of the things we've changed and uh, a tip i would give as well actually is to think of the 
if there's something you're not doing and we weren't spending enough time going back out so in lockdown every day we went for our one walk because we were allowed to um and or the guided one walk or whatever it was we we kind of we followed that and we kind of made the point because it felt like the very minimum now we can go out whenever we like possibly we don't go out every day in the same way that we yeah. were um so what we've started doing we, we reflected on this coming into the new year and we said right let's take one thing we want to change so we want to be going out for these walks um let's rather than saying we want to do a walk every day because that's quite a, a change let's just find a kind of a small bit that we can do let's do a walk every three days we're going to make sure we go out as a family go out for a walk let's put it in our diary and if we diarize that i hate that phrase if we put it in our diary if you planned it, it yeah planned it right if we commit that in we can make our work fit around it so obviously we've got to avoid when the children are in an active lesson like there's a you know a group of them all dialing into a zoom but um but there's loads of gaps in the day where they're doing work well we can just work around it we can do the same with our own work if we fill it with the stuff we normally fill it with and then look for an aligned gap between four people's diaries in a single day it doesn't happen it's too hard and so we end up with a few of us going or one of us going and that's not the same so it's it's shifting the priority and saying this thing i don't do if i get a small bit of it and put that at the top priority that's the thing i plan in first now what happens around it i've started doing it with the tennis i i was um I got incredibly busy come September last year, which is a blessing. It's a great thing. And the tennis dropped. And then come the new year, I'm like, no, right, I just need to put it in. And then I know I will I will do the work I need to around that because I love my work and I will spend lots of time happily doing the stuff I do. Um, the other boundary, so that's just a, a little tip, a little way we approached it. The other sort of boundary challenge we have, because we home educate, so we talk about schooling effectively or education uh because we work my wife and i work together and then we've got hopefully fun family activities as well to find plus the boring housework kind of stuff to find um and my wife and i are quite different people that's fantastic i love that about her and i like the fact we work together and bring something different in our work but she's a morning person her brain is alive first thing in the morning that's fantastic i'm an evening person my brain is alive much more then we have to be very mindful about when we talk to each other about mind complex stuff, you know, proper thinking things. So if, because mine will be lighting up come eight, nine o'clock, I might have all these ideas. But if I share them with my wife, she's in the wrong energy space to, to take that piece of information in. But what it's done is it's fired her work mind back up. It's not productive for her. Now she's going to find it harder to sleep and switch off. Mm. Likewise, if she wants a great answer from me, don't don't ask me at eight o'clock in the morning to make some sort of inspired decision. <laughs> I can do some work, but I'd, I don't coach that early in the morning, for example. I don't do anything sort of actively before 10. I do do work. I do emails and I do some sort of simple stuff, but I don't do hard stuff before 10 because I know that I am at my best from 10. It's just one of those like things so understanding that about ourselves and then leaning like talking about it so we're clear and then leaning into it so i know she knows and then we can you know really harness that and work that well um and then yeah and then i guess a lot of it's a lot of it's scheduling <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we're clear about when we're doing what with the kids and who's where and that's um mm. yeah there's a there's a wall planner in the house which pretty much shows where everyone is and a, in a big level mm -hmm. doesn't have every meeting but conceptually like who's away or who's here or mm -hmm. yeah what's going on yeah and and that talk of 
of planning and setting yourself up for success is key in whatever new habit and routine you're trying to embed into your life. You know, the planning is one of the the seven steps I use to help people build habits. And there's lots of different ways you can plan because, again, talking about people being individual and and having different ways of thinking and, and operating, some people hate the idea of a plan. But a plan doesn't have to be something on the wall. It doesn't have to be a physical calendar. You know, there's lots of ways that you can support yourself. It might be a prop, you know, having your gym clothes, for example, on the end of the bed or a journal by the kettle so you remember to journal. So there's lots of different ways you can plan. And I think the key theme I've picked up through our conversation, Mike, is, you know, in whatever area of your life it is, it's that's going to impact your health. That's the first takeaways. You know, everything is, you know, important to the output, whatever it is, whether it's work, your family life, you and how you think about yourself. So, And then the second thing on the back of that is, is then finding, you know, what you need to be more effective, productive, happy in each area of your life. And then the third thing, which is probably where you should start from, though, is the awareness, is that self-awareness, isn't it? Is understanding you, you know, for example, are you someone that likes a process and a plan or not? If you're not okay, well, what would support you then instead of that? What, you know, hack can you put in place for yourself? Um, And, you know, I just think, yeah, that there's a great message coming out of this, which is what I advocate and drive is, you know, your healthy lifestyle is yours. It's you get to choose the tools that are in that toolbox based on what you need. And what you do is is someone supporting others in business to be more effective and and, um, successful is exactly that is. Who are you? What are you about? What do you need? What's going to work for you so that you do feel in harmony with how you you are as a person to not only tick the business goals in terms of those practical ones you've set, but in your health, because we all, you know, want to enjoy the output of what we're putting into our lives through for many of us, which is through jobs and our own businesses. Um, But we only get to, you know, enjoy the fruits of our labour, so to speak, if we're in a good, healthy place to do so, aren't we? So, yeah, hopefully that's summed it up. It sums it up brilliantly, I think. Yeah, Yeah. starting with the awareness, totally. And then then moving into how you use it, what it does. One of the things that sprung to mind as you mentioned that, you said productivity and happiness. And I do wonder if people look at those as, so I'm, I'm a huge fan, right, of the happier we are, we want to be happy. We want to be productive. I think we can chase productivity at the detriment of happiness. Oh, we can absolutely. Put the yeah. kettle on and check our emails, uh, thinking well, I'm being more productive. But actually, it can, for some, that might work. But for lots, it will just slightly take more mental load out, or mental load in, and more energy out, and we're just zapping ourselves. Mm. The thing I think we can miss is the happier we are, the more productive we are. When we are really happy, when we are on fire and we're, we're excited and we're passionate and we're like, yes, this is it. This is really good fun. I'm enjoying this. That's when we're at our most productive. And so rather than chasing productivity, I think if we chase some happiness and it comes to exactly the stuff you've said, then we'll get productivity out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that means it will pay for itself. We can chase happiness and it will pay for itself. Yeah, absolutely. And and happiness is something that I talk about a lot because, you know, people are searching for happiness. They're waiting for happiness when they've got the things they want 
whatever those goals are, whether it's to lose weight, to make a six figure revenue in my business this year or, you know, people wait and think that thing will deliver the happiness on a plate for them. And we know that that isn't the case. They might achieve the goal, but they probably aren't going to feel happy or they feel happy in the moment they've realised they've achieved the goal, but then back to square one. And, you know, it's the, the, the same in terms of your health is that when you become happy, you will become healthier because your happiness affects your health. And like you said, with productivity, you know, and so many other things like your confidence builds when you are happier, your productivity, your feeling of fulfillment in life, your um, ability to perform and be productive. So yeah, I think that that's a great message to kind of wrap up with on the happiness is, yeah, you, you think that the things you need to do will bring happiness. Actually, we need to do other things to feel happy and then we'll be able to um, perform and, and deliver on the goals that we've all got in our lives. So I've really enjoyed the conversation, Mike. I think there's some great things come out there and definitely that quiz on starting to get clear about what might be missing is, is a key thing you know for people to do and and you can link to that through the show notes and, and start Mike's quiz and see what comes up for you so yeah if you just want to share a little bit about where people can find you and I'll pop everything into the notes as well Mike fantastic yeah so um come um Probably the easiest thing, I'm going to make a special web page. I have made, because this is now out, isn't it? I have made a special web page uh, for, for anyone listening to go along to. If they went to thismikecole.com, this Mike Cole, because there's many, many Mike Coles, but I'm this one, thismikecole.com forward slash live healthy now, all one word. And uh, there's a special page there. It has a link to the quiz. It says a bit about me. It's got some um, social uh, connections. If they want to come and connect with me on their favorite platform, then they're welcome to. Uh, yeah, so so head out to that page and, and go check that out. That'd be fantastic. Oh, amazing. I love that we've got our own page. Thank you for that. <laughs> Easy for everyone to find. So thanks again, Mike. It's been a pleasure. And um, I hope, yeah, if you're listening, you've took something away that can inspire you to at least make one little change in your life to feel better and live healthier now. So thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. It would be really appreciated if you could leave a rating and review so other people can find us and build their own healthy, happy life. You can follow Life Now Coaching on all social media platforms and visit our website at lifenow.uk. Links are in the show description. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and can't wait to see you again next week for more tips on living healthy and happy right now. Take care.